0: Today's show is sponsored by our friends at Orca Coolers. It is fall but it is dad season all year round because if you use code dad season that's d-a-d-s-e-a-s-o-n you will get 20% off your order at orca Coolers. not only do you know they have awesome coolers, tumblers they just put out a white oak barrel tumbler but there are fall items they have halloween tumblers and halloween drink sets and check it out you want to get something for yourself the wife the kids whatever it is go to orcacoolers.com use code dad season and have everybody be jealous of you this Fall. today's show is also sponsored by our friends at distilleryproducts.com if you want laser edge glassware they also have bar tools and swag flasks all sorts of cool things go to distilleryproducts.com reach out to me if you see something you like i'd be happy to get you in touch with my friends carson janey vicky all the folks over at the family owned and operated distilleryproducts.com and go to their sister site premiumbarproducts.com go to the top of the page look at the menu click that menu hit ddb glassware That's where you can get all the dads drinking bourbon, Glenn Karens, Kenzie glasses, and hopefully we'll be adding some more there. But check them out at distilleryproducts.com. Last but not least, today's show is also sponsored by our friends at action247.com. Zeke and I did not get together this week. It was a rough week, so we didn't do picks. I'm going to have to talk to him today and see if we could get some picks in before tomorrow. But it's the MLB playoffs. It's Friday deposit boost. Every Friday, everyone on the book gets a deposit boost. So you you can use code Dads100. They will match up to $400 of your first deposit, and then there's also an additional code on Fridays. Check out what's going on at Action247.com because they have all these things that pop up that are specials and things like that. That that's where those free live bets are going to be. Check out Saturday night fights, and then there is the first touchdown scorer insurance. If you bet on the first touchdown scorer in any NFL game, you'll get your stake back as a free bet if it doesn't hit. But check out Action247.com. Use code. Dad's 100 and they'll match up to $400 of your first deposit. Cheers, y'all. Zeke, what you got for me?
1: Well, you know, normally we have a, a cold open to add a little fluff or humor and maybe even waste a little time, but I think our, uh, our group here sitting around tonight uh, doesn't need to wait any longer than we've already kept them, so uh, let's get this show rolling. I think they want to see if you're going
0: to be funny, though, so they want to hear you say something.
1: Well, the group that's here with us has already heard some jokes, so we're good. Did they, though? They laughed at you a lot. That's all I ever care about. <laughs> But, like,
0: they made the jokes. You didn't make the jokes.
1: I made the tent and awning joke. So you're one for 20? I mean, I've seen texts that we get when it's a group and they ask you what size hoodie you need. It's a tent and awning size. Let's just see if we could get your bat and average up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hello, hello, everyone. My name is John Edwards, and with me, as always, is that guy over there, Zeke Baker. And together, we make the Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Wherever you are, whatever time it is, thank you for making us a part of your day. It is a very special day. We are joined by the folks from Company Distilling, the best-looking lawyer in all of spirits, (laughs) in Heath Clark. (laughs) We have the master of disaster, the colossus of clout, Mr. Chris Tatum. right across from me i was gonna say something about his hair but lack you, you just gotta go it's all st- it's in a short story
2: yeah. it's a short short story really <laughs> quick it's how short.
0: come you don't pick it like at this point
2: it's kind of lazy. It's a fair I still question. enjoy getting a haircut. It's just a scalp massage. there's too just on his back. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. All day.
0: And then we have, last but not least, the nicest one of the three of you. <laughs> Nathan Osborne. I don't understand how he found you two because he doesn't necessarily fit with your brand of humor. And he distills whiskey a lot better than you do, Tatum. Mm. Heath gives him a run for his money. But Mr. Jeff Arnett, yep. Welcome. Thank you. Good to be with you guys. How do you deal with them?
3: (laughs) You know... It was great before we started a company that we had already learned how to work together. So, so, you know, people who don't know much about our stories, we're working at three different distilleries, but when we formed the Tennessee Distillers Guild and uh, started meeting on a routine basis and started talking about, you know, 1930s laws in Tennessee and how they were very restrictive uh, to being successful, uh, we set out to, you know, change those, make them a little bit more modern and progressive. But we introduced 11 pieces of legislation. We got all of them to pass, which is almost unheard of in Tennessee, uh, even if you're right all the time they'll still vote you down. But, you know, we felt like we had learned to work together and had a respect for one another. I enjoy the times that we spent together. Of course, Grains and Grits was our opportunity to socially hang out outside of business. And we really enjoyed the time there as well. So all that just kind of came together into a new company.
0: That is my favorite weekend. I mean, I say that over and over, but that's adult summer camp. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it is the best event in Tennessee. If if anybody needs to experience that or, or wants to experience that, don't hesitate because it is just a great time. But it's important you say that. You yeah. talk about the laws. I mean, between the three of you, everything, Jeff, you brought as master distiller at Jack Daniels. We have Chris Tatum, who was the president of the Tennessee Distillers Guild and and all the knowledge that comes there. And Heath, who was kind of on the legal team for the Tennessee Distillers Guild, even though Rob would not say that you were officially in the pack, but you kind of were. Rob
4: provided the hair. The really good <laughs> hair, let's be honest.
0: <laughs> but I mean, there's a lot of knowledge here. I mean, you're, you're very involved. He's still, you are on the board. You advocate for the spirits industry in Tennessee. You're going to D.C. You're going to Nashville to... Hell. The <laughs>
4: <laughs> Goes without
2: saying.
0: But the three of you have a crap ton of knowledge. That alone on paper, you, know, you look like, should I say Alabama football? No. Or Kentucky basketball? Roll no. Dead. I mean, oh, my you definitely don't look like the Tennessee Volunteers because you're so much better than you're they You really look like the Volunteers
3: versus Missouri. Right. Yeah. They
1: showed up for that one finally. You're pushing it.
0: I mean, oh, Zeke, body. this year would say you look like the Georgia Bulldogs on paper. I yeah. think so. That's pretty good. I don't
3: know. Those guys are strong this year. Strong on defense for sure. Yeah. Mm. We're going on offense so.
2: How's Tennessee doing so far? Um, we're a basketball school actually we yeah, like Baseball, we're
0: really good at baseball Baseball and basketball school baseball. Yeah. The funny thing is, is Vandy is
2: still the best baseball school in the SEC <laughs> So like,
0: how how is Tennessee going to beat them?
2: You know, it <clears throat> doesn't really matter because we're still better than you, just because we exist. I feel like I really <laughs> hit Tatum Low there. Yeah, he doesn't
3: know how to respond. Let me be. His, voice, dro- his voice dropped there for a minute. I'm trying
2: not to
0: cuss on this thing. I'm gonna. T- this is hard. Just don't it's say hard. the F word. You could say anything else.
4: No,
2: we're, we're that's like my comedy favorite. Central. That's my go to. It's my go you know, to. I find
4: it. It, I find it immoral <laughs> for people who kick three-legged dogs and think they've done something good i don't know seriously you know making fun of tennessee football at this point is I mean, is about like kicking a three-legged dog i remember
0: the text messages so jeff you don't realize this but the three of us are on a text chain there Be has been you're not. multiple zeke you too there has been multiple <laughs> exchanges when kentucky football loses oh you would yeah. like it more I'm though
4: never right? ever <laughs> I, I, poked
2: the I think the bear. you should I'll add Zeke to it if you well, want. Well, let's just, YouTube. I tell you what, let's just make a bet now. We got a game coming up, I think. You want to make a bet? Oh, yeah. What do you want to bet? I and mean, what do you want to lose? Is better. I don't lose. You got to remember that. You should Ooh. lose that blue microphone. I don't thing. lose. <laughs> what do you want? Orange and white overalls.
4: Hmm. Checker board. No shirt. No
2: shirt. Thank you. Yes, T- I think you should paint yourself blue. Uh, and do I, I'm not. Through, listen, listen, what you say means nothing because it won't happen. So you're going to paint yourself let's blue. Focus on what I'm saying and here. do the truffle shuffle no. on the
0: Dad's Drinking Bourbon Instagram <laughs> in is? a no. reel <laughs> no.
2: that boomerangs back and forth so everybody sees those rolls. I can't make that. Wait, can't make should that. Should you bad.
4: paint like his head in the blue
2: and yellow white checkerboard? Oh yeah, the checkerboard you, that you actually lease permission to use from the University of Tennessee. Right? You guys are so original. You know what I'm saying? You're so original. I'm not kidding. You look it up. Well, that would require reading. I'm sorry. But ask somebody. You should ask somebody. You really should.
4: <laughs> Preferably somebody outside of Kentucky because the, yeah. they are more likely to be able to read.
2: You want to call truce or you want to make that bet? So, Chris, I'll the other day we whatever were, bet you want.
4: We were uh, going to see my brother. He lives in Cincinnati, so we had to drive through that Kentucky. State, yeah. And so Tucker lost a tooth. I'm like again, like every time we drive through Kentucky, he like loses a tooth. I'm not sure.
2: Feels that like it's appropriate. What
4: what's going on there if that's just
2: happenstance
3: or He's if it's gonna keep going? He's
2: yeah. important mm. Throw me. it out the window. Win in Rome, you know what I'm yeah, right?
3: <laughs> That's my standard West Virginia joke, is they invented a toothbrush because any other state would have called it a teeth brush. <laughs> <I> <laughs>
0: Uh, (laughs) Is this what you expected, Jeff? Yeah, a little bit.
1: I like how had our moments. I like, I like how John who, uh, says you're, he's amazed at your patience. I'm like, do you not know, remember the pick we did? We tied him up for three and a half hours over three barrels, and he wouldn't say anything bad about any of them over and over and over. Just well, <laughs> I think they needed me to keep the if ship. If you're afloat, leaning but... toward this, I could see that. <laughs> no, if I you're see leaning that. toward that, I could see it. <laughs> and we'd tell us another story, and we'd all laugh. And you know, we're still not sure. Can you thieve a little more out of there? <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs>
0: I got to tell you, you guys lucked out. Pretty Jeff good. is one of the best people to do barrel picks with. And there was one guy in our group. We talked about this all. The, the second barrel was not good. And he kept wanting the second barrel. There was only one guy out of 10 of us. And so we'd be like, yeah, we're going to blind taste one and three. And then he's going up to Jeff's like, can you thieve two And just secretly blind them with it. And he's like, I'll do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> he just sat there. Was so patient. So y'all lucked out. He is going to be great once it's time for company to do barrel picks. But let's talk about the company and that's company distilling. How did the three of you get together?
2: In all seriousness, I think what it was is uh, Jeff did touch on it in all sincerity. Um, We all were in different distilleries. Jeff was obviously master distiller of Jack Daniels. I mean, what the hell? You know what I'm saying? Um, And uh, Heath was, you know, had his distillery and I had one and we all just kept, we became friends. We had a common, we found a commonality between us, you know, uh, even really, if you think about the size of the distilleries from he's to, to mine, to Jack's to, you know, to Jack with Jeff and we found a lot of commonality and we, we both or all three believed in, the you know, rising tide lifts all ships kind of thing. So, you know, we just talked about it and none of us had to do this. I think we say that a lot. Yeah. None of us had to do this at all. Um, this was something that we wanted to do collectively and bring our expertise together and it's not just the three of us we're able to bring on an amazing team around us um our other partners uh from sales distribution to you know capital partner to to everything um and so um that's that's kind of how we came together man just seven years six years six years six years of uh friendship and and trying to fight you know to raise the industry
1: well i'm sure it's a lot easier to to have fun while you do it as well. When there's three of you versus one person that's the, uh, you know, the contact or the, Hey, this is going wrong. What are you going to do to fix it right now? That's not you have anything better to do. And I'm just going
3: to bother you until it gets done. Kind of thing. Yeah. I would just tell you, it's not a group for the thin skinned. No, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> you need that. You need to have a little bit of a hide. Um, Neither uh, is dad's for
2: bourbon, <laughs> <laughs> so it It's going to work so, pretty yeah, well. Man.
3: Yeah. If you, uh, if you get your feelings hurt, it will just thicken you up there a little bit. But, you know, for me personally, I had, Spent almost 20 years at Jack Daniels and i had been master distiller for over 12 of those. And, you know, I felt like it was a good run. You know, took the portfolio there from three products to 11, really opened that up a little bit. But at the same time, you know, it was never the people of Lynchburg. I always loved them. I always loved going into work there. It was a beautiful place, really supportive cast. But I went through five different brand teams in 12 years, and I had begun to realize I was probably going to deal with five more brand teams if I stayed another 12. And with each brand team came a, a change of direction. You know, you got to a point where you felt like you weren't, you know, the master of your own future anymore. So for me, it was an opportunity to say, you know, if I – if the cuffs were off, if I – you know, and I understood that I – with all that I knew coming from Jack Daniels, I was going to have to have a supporting cast, just like Chris was talking about. I, I can't run a distillery by myself. I know what I'm good at, but I also know what I'm not good at. And I needed to bring people alongside me if we were going to do it and do it right. And uh, our aspirations were greater than just whiskey. You know, that's what Mm -hmm. I know. Chris and I, when we first started talking about doing something, it's like, you know, we should really think beyond, you know, (laughs) sort of those first conversations is that, you know, let's, you know, let's don't shoot low because we might hit it. You know, let's might as well shoot high. So we want to be the best of Tennessee, whatever Mm -hmm. that takes. And let's assemble a group of people that we think can achieve that. We knew Heath and, uh, you know, a a great bourbon maker, but even greater gin maker, you know, ask our word to prove that. If we're going to do this and do it right, let's, you know, assemble a a talented group of people um, who are like-minded and who work well together. Mm -hmm. And we felt like we could, so let's do it.
0: One thing, though, that you you touch on, and we just had Denny Potter on from Maker's Maker's Mark. Mark. Mm And, you know, we were talking about the master distiller title, and he doesn't necessarily love it. You know, we were kind of mentioning it's kind of more of an external title. Because when you're in the distillery, you're not walking around going, hey, I'm the master distiller. But yeah. At the same time, the master distiller does not do a whole lot of distilling. With this venture for you, you know, you talk about the brand teams, you talk about what's going on. This is more of an opportunity to still be the distiller, but get your hands dirty again,
3: right? Yeah. And I would say definitely didn't get my hands dirty that much simply because everything was so automated, you know, at Jack Daniels. (laughs) But, you know, unlike my predecessor who had gone largely into just an ambassador type role as master distiller, I... I was wired a little bit differently and I understood that about myself. So, when they asked me to step in and take his place when he retired, I told them I was not going to travel all the time, that I did not want to fully step away from production. So, I spent 80% of my time. Um, so, you're, you're right, uh, consumer facing title, you were master distiller, but internally I was like AVP, I was director of distilling operations or whatever. So, I never walked away from my production role there, uh, which was important to me because that was, I was an engineer. Um, You know, I wasn't someone who ever thought I'd be a spokesperson for a, a, you know, a large brand uh, like I became. But um, it was the time in Lynchburg around the process, working with the folks there, creating great products, working with innovation team to plan what was coming, Um, especially as the whiskey industry largely woke up. It was a it was a sleepy industry for so long, for about 30 years, really. It was just brands kind of holding their own. Fewer growing. You know, Jack did because it was going into international markets, but uh, around 2010, things changed. Rye started making a, a come around and whiskey really got hot again, uh, which was a fun time, you know, to be at Jack Daniels for sure. We opened up the portfolio. We tripled the number of products we offered and probably doubled in size and cases over that time frame.
0: Super impressive, right? And we've talked to Chris multiple times. We've talked to Heath multiple times. I would encourage people to go back and listen to our podcast with them to get a little bit of an understanding of what they did. But Chris, not only was he the, the president of the Tennessee Distillers Guild, but he also was one of the owners at Old Forge. They have some great moonshine. They source some whiskey. They made some very good gin. They have some rock and rise that are really good. So diverse portfolio there. Besides Jeff coming from Jack, we all know what Jack's bringing to the table. Heath, you and you have. You're black and tan, which you're putting staves in some of the whiskey and making this really cool oatmeal stout type whiskey. You have a killer rye. You had a, a really good bourbon. Flying under the radar before, now not so much, now that it wins awards, you have this crazy good gin. Some people would say that it somewhat has to do with the unique still that you have there. But the thing I want to ask all three of you is, is you all have this diverse background yet you're all kind of doing the same thing. What was that conversation when you all got together? Was it, we want to do something different. We want to take what we've done before. And this is how we think we can do it better. Walk me through that a little bit.
4: I don't think any of us, you know, lack for confidence, even though we, we you know, I think part of being able to give each other a hard time is understanding that, you know, we've, we've all um, been able to do a few things on our own and, and you know, that, that, helps have thicker skin. And so as we were talking, Bris has started, you know, three distilleries. You know, this is my second venture here. So the idea of starting a distillery or launching a brand, you know, or a whiskey or a gin, that's wasn't particularly interesting to us. And it's been done. It was really like, let's launch a conglomerate. Let's launch the best of Tennessee. And so, you know, we're we're launching, you know, company bourbon here. Uh, in the next few weeks, you know, we're going to have the gin rollout. We're going to have a vodka. We're going to have some fun flavors, and we're going to keep going over time. Like it's not going to stop at company bourbon. We're going to have different whiskeys that come out around that. And so, knowing what we know about the spirits industry and knowing sort of our depth of expertise, we think we can, you know, build products that appeal. You know, some of them will appeal to broad swaths of uh, the American consumer.
0: I'm not saying that y'all are confident on your own it's almost like a marriage you know like if you're whole and your partner's whole you're better together
2: well i think that to your point the big thing from for each of us in the conversations were is we'd been a part of growing something bigger than us than each of us as individuals or each of us as, our individual companies because we believed in that common goal i go back to the guild you know launching the guild and In 2014, and subsequently Jeff representing, you know, Jack Daniels and doing a hell of a job making sure that the voice of the industry isn't lost by Jack's voice, so to speak, you know, Um, we put together some things that allow us to have opportunities and really where we stubbed our toes on every level. We've been down that path, and quite honestly, whenever you're uh, when you've gone down that path, and you know the path a little bit more, and you've we've, we were able to pass some legislation, I think that was beneficial to to existing distilleries as well as you know newcomers. We never passed any legislation to keep a competition away. If you look at that's it, right. when we when 100%. we passed when we had a piece of legislation to put revenue in place, it fought back at unfair tax or it gave opportunity to grow your business, and that was from it was never protections. It was never protections at all. Yeah, and 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 that's that's huge. I mean, I can remember. Many times, Jeff, you know, it's like, "Hey, this doesn't affect Jack. We're not going to do this," but we know it's good for the industry. We know it's good for you guys, so let's do it. And then it's kind of interesting because some of those things, next thing you know, Jack is sitting there going, "Hey, maybe we will do cocktails, or maybe we will do this." You right. know, that's important.
3: You know, what, one of the ways that the the Tennessee Distillers Guild actually became founded. Um, was the first real issue that came through the state of Tennessee it was driven by Jack Daniels, but it was trying to get um, a Tennessee whiskey law passed. And this was like with knowledge of what Kentucky had done. You know, if bourbon is federally coded. You can make it in any state. But Kentucky had learned that people would try to rip off the Kentucky name who didn't even produce it there. So they had to come in at a state level and say, if you put Kentucky straight bourbon on your label, you must do these things um, to kind of protect the integrity of it.
0: They do that for horses, too. Yeah.
3: When we were going on <laughs> I mean, Tennessee whiskey law, Uh, we began to realize that we started meeting in Nashville we were talking about what was right to do Uh, and then we began to realize this is only the first of probably many things that are going to come up where we need to talk to one another You know, we should not be fighting in the legislative halls uh, with different agendas and stuff like that, because there's more that unites us than divides us. And I think we all understood that. But I think the arguments against the Tennessee whiskey Law at the time were that it was any competition in any business. And there were 20 distilleries in the state at that time. Now there's, what, 50? Most of the time when a state intervenes and, and basically tries to uphold quality, if that's what the laws are intended to do. To help the consumer better understand the product, things like that have happened with maple syrup and cheese and things like, you know, Wisconsin has has laws around how cheese is made. that You you can't call it Wisconsin cheese unless it's made by a certain process, all these different varieties. What has that made? Wisconsin cheese notable. You know, it's like supposed to be the best cheese in the country, right? I feel like if it was meant to be any competition or or protectionist, it certainly wasn't. I think it made Tennessee even more attractive. Mm -hmm. Well, it didn't Um, stop. You can still make bourbon you can make whatever you want
4: to in state yeah. of tennessee you just can't call certain products tennessee whiskey when they yeah. are not yeah.
3: right but and, um, and i think
2: you can't undervalue what the guild has done mm-hmm. i mean we could throw you honestly this is probably one of the best stories that have come of it in my opinion of course because we're a part of it this came about i mean what we're doing the history we're gonna make is coming about because of you know tennessee distillers guild yeah. plain and simple and that's huge because I can tell you that KDA doesn't have that kind of history and, and some good you know, investors, right? Well, we have great partners. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. Kevin's a phenomenal partner, and it's not just—we say this all the time—it's not just about you know a capital investment. I mean, the experience when you're sitting at a table with with Kevin. Um, his, the way his mind works. I mean, you yeah. guys can attest to this. The way his <laughs> mind works and he thinks through things is amazing. No,
3: yeah, I think part of, you know, Clayton being a part of uh, Berkshire Hathaway and Warren Buffett's philosophy, he got more of the long view. You know, he's not trying to make the next quarter. He's really thinking about the next years and win the, the big game you know, you can lose a battle if you're going to win the war <clears> kind of deal. And I, that's Kevin's mentality too. And All I think right, we, we, they're, they're we take a lot of comfort in that, that he understands that this is not a get rich quick scheme for us. This yeah. is just something we're committed to, and it's going to take years to build it into what it can become. And we just need a patient partner who understands the yeah. game. I mean, he requires him.
4: us to think in yeah. five and 10 year increments, not yeah. next quarter. I've been on that side of the coin where you've got, I've been, you know, mm-hmm. the capital partners who are on you. What'd you do this week? What'd you do this month? And, yeah. and it's brutal. Um, yeah, and so you know, it's such a breath of fresh air for for somebody to think not just think long term, but actually allow you to plan for it. You know, yeah. it's 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 well, especially it's on the whiskey
1: different. side because obviously it's not going to happen overnight. Yeah. So anyone like, yeah. hey, yeah. that plan you had, mm-hmm. how's it coming along? Oh, look, you know, we um, we'll let you know in yeah. about thirty six <laughs> months maybe if we think yeah. it's going the right way. Yeah. You know, one of the things
4: that allowed yeah. us to sort of come together was. Quite honestly, COVID, right? So, it kind of shut everything down. And we all got a, a little space to think and reflect on what who we wanted to be when we grew up. Um, but you know, there's also that that sort of question, like who would you get COVID for? You know, well, who would you risk COVID for? You know, who are the people on that short list? Um, you so, got on, you're decided
2: not on each it. other. You know, as we're doing this way after so, the uh, <laughs> so you're not on that list. <laughs> just let you know. I just want to make sure you're aware. Didn't make the cut. Um, Is that a tear? I got nothing. It's a tear. <laughs> sweat. <No. laughs> just lots of
0: sweat.
3: It's sweat.
4: <laughs> but it allowed space to to really think about how we wanted to approach this and through that that time frame, you know, the ability to think about long term planning and goals uh, were, were really important to this thing actually coalescing, you know, and providing the space, you know, the just the two or three month letdown of, of intensity to be able to think about this. And so as we've, as we've tried to bring product to market, you know, the COVID stuff's still with us, like we are fighting tooth and nail, like we've done this before and we are fighting tooth and nail to get glass, to get Deco. We're you know now three weeks late getting labels printed. That's, that's the hold up and getting to market. I mean, so we've, it is fighting and scrapping and pushing, you know, every inch of the way. Like it is uh, Chris and I've asked each other several times, like, do you remember it being this hard?
3: you know the first (laughs) time we
4: did this and it wasn't like it's been an uphill push crazy for sure so to be able to (laughs) come through and you know build a business plan and execute it you know and we've we've had delays that are have been outside of our control and it's great to have a capital partner who knew we were going to have the delays before we did and he's been you know very patient and diligent with us
0: and one thing i should mention i am a real crappy host because we're 30 minutes into this and we haven't really talked about what company is. Because we've, we've talked about there's going to be all these different types of spirits. We've talked about it's the three of you together. And y'all were going right where I wanted you to when I said a good investor. Because I was at your press conference when you announced company distilling. Kevin Clayton's nephew yep. along with Kevin... And the three of you are a part of it. And uh, the interesting thing is that there is going to be a branch in Alcoa. You're going to have Heath, who has a branch over here in Middle Tennessee. But the main thing is that Townsend component, where y'all were talking about having a family-friendly distillery, someplace where you can go. There's biking, there's trails, everything that Townsend has to offer. The dream of company distilling isn't just putting out good stuff. It's being a destination And that's where, you know, you talk about having a good investor. He's not only investing in this company, but he is investing in the city of Townsend and trying to make that area. I mean, it's already one of my favorite places in Tennessee, but that is a huge part of this as well. It's
4: even less about becoming a destination than it is providing a place for people to... Yeah. To uh, enjoy each other's company while they're out and about, yeah. you know, it's let's. You mean just like
3: gather around,
4: gather around. Yeah, sure. the Burger Master is new and improved. You're gonna, yeah. you're gonna
3: like what you see when yeah. we get up They've upgraded. Better. their only Angus beef hamburgers now. Soft service. <laughs> that on soft point.
0: serve ice cream is great, though. There. Yeah,
3: it Very is. Oh, we talk about Kevin, and and it, and he definitely he's wonderful. But you know, I think. It takes more than than money. I think you need to have vision. And that I think clearly Kevin has that. He had a greater vision for what he wanted in Townsend and he started to make pieces of that already come true. You know, taking Little Arrow and all the upgrades that he's done there, you know, top glamping resort in the US last year by USA Today. Large voted for him. Yeah, well I did too. Because right, I've stayed, I've stayed in almost every format of accommodations they have there, and they're all fantastic. But this, you know, mountain biking park, he just saw that as something that would draw people to the area where everyone would benefit, all the businesses. So, you know, that was a pretty substantial investment to put the to buy the land to put the trails in. He's uh, in a week uh, there'll be a bridge put in. All that's going to be free to the public, unless there's reasons why that has to change. He's yeah. he's expecting that to just literally make that a gift to the community as a draw to bring people to town. Uh, and hopefully the restaurants, the hotels, the campgrounds will all benefit by it being a magnet for people who want to ride bikes and do it on a world-class facility. Um, but yeah, the, yeah. The, what he's done with Burger Master and the, the tubing operation over there definitely upscaled that. Uh, yeah. and we're, we're right there with him. Uh, so we bought land adjacent to all that. So we want to make Townsend yeah. into a wonderful place where you can make memories, where you can have spend quality time with family, friends, and stuff like that. We just want to be a part of that.
2: Yeah, and I think you're talking about capital partners, and I think everybody's mind immediately goes to you know who you know capital partners from a you know money perspective. But I mean, the team that we have, and we have other uh, several other of our team members that and founders that can't you know are not on this podcast, but we were able to to go out and we were, we're selecting the best company to do this with yeah. you know i mean Corey clayton and nathan osborne um kim mitchell mitchell and blunt partnership are integral in this whole thing big time kevin smith joined from jack daniels so you're talking about expertise in what they were doing before you know and and we brought on jenna wagner she was a tourism uh director in uh southwest virginia races you know some previous car yeah, yeah previously
4: previously worked NASCAR. with nascar they're kind of like um, so faster horses Just to help you understand. I
0: mean, when he said Kevin Smith, I was really plus five hundred. You were hoping like like, like,
2: clerks, Kevin Smith. But no, I'm I'm talking about you know somebody that's good at fermentation beer. But in all seriousness, that group that you're talking about, those those people were experts in their field. They didn't have to come. None of us had to come do this. You got to keep that in mind. None of us had to do this. Not not the three of us. Not Kevin Clayton. You know, not Nathan. Not Corey. Not Kevin. None of those guys. They. We chose to do it. We chose to come together. And, you know,
3: yeah, there's an invest. industry standard alcohol textbook. Kevin actually authored the fermentation section of that. So he was considered to be sort of the best in the industry at understanding the science of fermentation, dealing with yeast cultures and stuff like that. Um, and he decided yeah. to make the move with us. So we're very excited to have him join.
0: I mean, I get why the three of you came together. I don't understand why everybody came with you. Have you seen me? Like, why would they want to hang out with you?
4: That's a fair question. <laughs> they don't I mean, want to hang out. They used to stay the I way. I man. know, man.
2: But,
0: like, I get it. I get the three you got together. You got a little crazy during COVID. But, like, you're talking about all these other people saying, like, I want to go hang out with Tatum. <laughs> That's what I want to do today. <laughs> they were all drunk. Uh,
2: they were. They're actually continuing a drunk. Moment of weakness. A moment of weakness. And we've continued to um, drug them accordingly. We exploit their uh, fears, this, and anxiety that's about what the, the that's for. That's what the moonshine. <laughs>
0: you know, going back, Jeff, to what you were saying. So, you mm-hmm. know, bringing Kevin on, who who wrote the book, mm-hmm. your expertise, his expertise. Right now, you're sourcing. Mm-hmm. Eventually, there is a plan to distill and, and have it all be your own juice,
3: right? Yeah, yeah. We, uh, we one of the things that I learned, um, uh, I think, a very good lesson at Jack Daniels was the importance of a barrel. Uh, And getting that part of it right. It's all of your color. It's well over half of your flavor. And I think you can put a marginal liquid into a great barrel and salvage it. And and you can put a great liquid in a bad barrel and you're done. I mean, it's just, it it is really a largely overlooked part of it. Um, Because you can spend all of the time getting all of your fermentation, distillation, things right. Uh, And if your barrel doesn't perform, you're not going to be happy with it. So as we set out to kind of find partners, find liquid and, and stuff like that, it was largely meeting up with a guy that made barrels for me previously who is now with SpaceIde up in Ohio that he just happened to have he had like an array of different toasts and chars things that he, he was capable of producing and had a liquid uh, that was produced in the area that um, when Heath and I tried it it was hands down we agree we looked at one another and it was like the flash of the obvious you know <laughs> uh, we were High like oh me. my lord you know this is the best stuff we've tried so that, that started a conversation so we're already in a new mate contract and what was beautiful about this particular partner was that their equipment set is identical to what we plan to put in alcoa so it's very it's going to be very easy for us to just lift it move it in uh, when the time comes so um so we're already in a new mate contract and then the the challenge was at that point can we find something that's very similar or can we take different liquids and and basically get to a point where we think it matches the balance the character the complexity of what we liked about the liquid we chose
0: and that isn't going to change too much once yep. the new make comes of age and, and then Correct. you end up doing your own. Thing.
3: Yeah, Similar grain structure, mm-hmm. um, especially as you look at the way the bourbons that we put together for this first batch uh, came in, weeded and maple finished. That'll be a common uh, trait uh, as we kind of go through. There might be some subtle things, but I would tell you this. I think if anything, years down the road, it's just going to get better.
0: Is okay. the plan to age it more and more? Yep. What's the age on it right now?
3: The barrels that were in this first batch range from about three and a half up to five. It's
0: going to be hard with this stuff unless you source older stuff. But then you almost don't want to source too much older stuff because right. you know that your your new make is going to be coming. And well, running stuff is tough, isn't it? Right. We, we
3: did, you know, we we actually kind of had that conversation because you know there's a there's a big pile of old barrels out there. But there but the problem is they're not continuing to produce those. And once that finite set of barrels is gone you're done if that's what you're basing yourself on. So I yeah. kind of worry about some brands that have firmly positioned themselves there that if you're trying to maintain some consistency well, and produce year after year, yeah. you're going to have to have something that's more sustainable. And the market's one, hitting One little right pile of barrels. There's several. Yeah. But there's a lot of brands it's, that I think have painted themselves in the corner with it. It, it does seem at least though that most of the consumers now, as long as
1: everyone's transparent, Absolutely. puts it out there. Hell <clears throat> you yeah. Know, you change your label. You say, hey, these yeah. came available. Yeah, they were too good to let somebody else buy them. But yeah. we're going to make sure you know this is a one-off, and in six months, yeah. what's in our bottle will be a different color. It'll, yeah. you know, it, it'll be identifiable as not the same product. Right, mm-hmm. and uh, it definitely seems like consumers at least now or more like as long as it's good, it really wasn't kind of yeah. warn us or tell us yep. we're really pretty Truth. good. With it. Yeah. Well, transparency
4: was key, but it was also more of a brand philosophy. And this is, you know, a big thing I learned, which is it doesn't do us a lot of good as an early brand to launch a unicorn. <laughs> you know, it may be delicious, mm-hmm. but there's not another one. and, you know, we don't want to get into this mode where people are chasing the next unicorn. Well, this barrel is great, but this next barrel, I don't know. Um, you know, we want to build a brand that you know, reflects our values. Jeff kept talking about this concept of approachable complexity. And so, you know, a sessionable whiskey, something you'll, you'll have more than one of if, if, if you so choose, but still has a character and depth that, that, that's really good and smooth. And so uh, when you get a uh, 13-year-old barrel, it may be delicious, but you're not going to do that much with it. It's kind of baked, mm-hmm. you know, and so uh, it didn't really fit the brand philosophy or, or growth strategy to do
3: that. What we wanted to launch at first was our flagship. You know, a lane that we feel like we can own and build on and stuff like that. As far as, you know, finding those things where you feel like you can do an interesting one off and throw that in the mix to keep it interesting. Certainly not opposed to doing that. But, you know, but the brand's mantra, we needed to basically entrench ourselves in, in a certain level of character and components of, of what people would expect. If I pick up a bottle of company that looks like that, what should it be like? And to keep Heath's point... You know, what I've learned is that there's things that people post about, you know, super high rise and cast drinks. And they drink like one glass of that a week and they pour through a whole bottle of something uh, in the meanwhile. I want the bottle that they pour through. Uh, I don't really want that one glass a week or one glass a month, you know, that, that people brag about. I just want something that people enjoy. If you only have one bottle in your in your cabinet. It doesn't matter if somebody's a new drinker, a mature drinker, where they are in that journey. You feel like you're confident you can serve that and it's going to satisfy everyone.
0: Well, it's the Monday through Thursday pour. Yeah. And there, there there's so many things. I mean, I want to hear what you all have to say about everything. But the tough thing is there's so many cool barrels out there, but you almost lose your identity. And I say this to brands I've talked to. It's like just because there's cool barrels out there, it doesn't mean you have to get every single one of them because you're missing like what is the thing that keeps your lights on and the thing that keeps your lights on is going to be the thing that tito's is going to keep the lights on at the liquor store it's not going to be Mm -hmm. 130 proof jack daniels barrel proof as great as it is as much as zeke and i like it we don't drink enough of it to keep the lights on there so i totally get your philosophy with that (laughs) (laughs) Right <laughs> <laughs> he like, uh, he like he's talking.
1: <laughs> one, of, one of these cabinets in this kitchen has only a jdbp in it i'll i'll
3: go that far <laughs> i have a whole shelf <laughs> that is just jacked <laughs> in five years to convince him to release that product <laughs> <laughs> i thought that had been an easy sell right oh so damn good though yeah jeez well, i agree
0: once you actually have a tasting yeah. room Maybe then you say, "Hey, we got this opportunity for this really cool barrel, and it's going to be
4: distillery only." Like, yeah, we've you we, not tasted this liquid yet. The, the amazing I, thing I have, is, while we've been sitting here, you've been sipping on it a little, yeah, bit. a little bit. You didn't, you didn't speak up. So, but the thing that amazes me with this is that you we went on speak. these Easter egg hunts looking for liquid. You know, the market's tied. You know, we went to the usual suspects. We flew around. We. This whiskey is born
3: of three components that you would recognize, and yeah. so you can taste those three, and then you can taste the finished product, and you wouldn't think there's any there's, there's no, no trace identity there. And so to know
4: what Jeff pulled off and bringing this blend together, and the ratios, and where we got them, another element of our philosophy was we wanted to be unique. We wanted you know to make a whiskey, not just sell a whiskey. And so, you know, going to get the 13-year-old barrel pick that's already baked, well, you're not really doing much to it. You might filter it, cut it a little bit, and then you're done. And so, uh, this really shows the range and skill of, you know, with the the Jeff Scott and being able to bring components together to form a great whiskey. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know how we tell the story more and more about how awesome these components are. If we had the three components here, you wouldn't, you would neither buy nor drink any of them. And but, then, but this thing you is know, fantastic.
1: I mean, it's funny to see what people chase down. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think age statements, mm-hmm. folks still use them. They have some relevance, mm-hmm. but I don't think they're anywhere near what they used to be. Totally agree. And, you know, you like you talk about having the, the daily drinker, not the high proofer that somebody has once and takes a picture of. You know, recently, John and I were, were doing a blend with some folks. And we laughed because the, the rep kept asking us, well, do you want the proofs to any of these? Like, no, we're, we're just here to assimilate a great tasting product i I don't care if it's 100 or 140 if it tastes good oh well well. that's the least of my worries and it ended up being a recurring theme but his notion behind it was well that's what my retailers keep asking for the most is well what is the proof of it because that's going to matter so i mean there's always going to be a moving target as far as you know what people think the perception is is good or or why someone buys it but i just think when you have like the backbone product that, Mm that no matter what it's just a good drinker well that's going to keep selling tomorrow, next month, next yeah. year. When we all came the ups up with downs, have fallen off.
0: We yeah. came up with three blends in a single barrel. And the funny thing was that the single barrel was the highest proof out
1: of everything that we
4: did. I think that's the only reason the rep was happy actually. Like, oh man,
1: the one y'all picked was the highest proof. That's yes. Right. yes.
4: You know, it uh, We're Word Center, uh, you know, Jenna comes to us from, you know, tourism and regional tourism and racing. NASCAR And, you know, whiskey's is new to her. And so we're trying to go through the tasty notes of the bottle and how it's made and what it's made of. But then, you know, the critical piece is you, know, you can have all these details about whether it was... Sherping through the, the woods on the back of a polar bear and all that, you know, what's the proof? All that stuff, and only like one person's going to care about that. And so, in order to tell the story, you've got to be able to talk about the whiskey in in, in language that the other ninety
1: nine percent of the people We're care about. Tune out on you, right? Yeah,
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: I have that problem with John a lot. He just starts talking, and I just like, well, it was good. I don't know what he said, but I liked what it was. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't tell you what was in the glass anymore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what I will say is, I always love doing the NASCAR analogy though, with whiskey where, you know, you have nose, taste, finish, and Zeke and I will say a lot of times, like, it was super solid in turns one and two, but turn three, it hit the wall, you know, like, and yeah. when you're talking about the finish. <laughs> so, Jenny, you can use that one a lot. <laughs> <laughs>
3: So we're going to talk a little bit about the liquid. Yeah.
0: Tell me what you did here. So okay. we have one of our favorite things ever. Yep. Even though I wish the proof was a little bit higher when you originally yep, I'm gonna made tell you.
3: I'm going to tell you from a master distiller's perspective about that product. And um, that is Jack so,
0: Daniels number, yeah, number 27, 27 gold.
3: gold. So yeah, this was going from three products to 11. This was one of the products that we um, came out with during my... Uh, ten years master distiller was basically priced about I don't know around a hundred dollars. It was just below the snatcher, which was the the highest price thing in the portfolio. But it was largely built for a developing Asia Pacific consumer. That's where its origins came from. That's hence the gold. Uh, a lot of it has sort of Asian influences in it. I would say they were people who were still learning to drink whiskey. They they wanted to drink whiskey, but they weren't quite there yet. They were taking very expensive whiskey bottles and cutting them with tonics and stuff like that. So we. Wanted to basically put something there that was soft enough, interesting enough, complex enough, where it could basically be drunk neat, hence 80 proof. So. I I think if I were to critique the product, three things I learned uh, in doing the 27 Gold. The first one is I think that toasted maple is a really good idea. There's a level of character in the 27 Gold you don't see in other expressions of Jack Daniels. Uh, It's sort of a unique wood, has its own sweet and finishing notes. Uh, Really, really nice what it adds uh, to a mature whiskey. The second thing I learned is that maple barrels are a really terrible idea (laughs) Uh, because they bleed at a rate of about 10 times what oak does. Hmm. So if you go six months in a maple barrel... That's like five or six years in an oak barrel. You'll have the same equivalent angel share, so they, just start, they bleed like a stuck pig. So the barrel is not a good idea, even though the toasted maple is. And I think the biggest thing I learned is what you said, is that for a lot of drinkers, 80 proof is just not enough. That was largely influenced by an Asian consumer who didn't have a tolerance for alcohol. The American consumer does. I guess, um, idea of what I would do in leaving Jack Daniels. We started this conversation at the campfire at Grains and Grits. I was a month out from Jack Daniels. You're like, man, what you going to do? Uh, and we, we talked a little bit about the goal. And I said, yeah, I would like to reimagine that. Because- and you
0: said, I can't tell you. But then Tatum walked by and he gave him a wink. And like,
3: <laughs> <I> was- <laughs> But uh, I just do that. Too yeah, we John. that was just our thing. Touschek. Uh, but-, <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously, it's like you know one of the things I could do if I left Jack Daniels was basically fix what I thought maybe could have been better about it. And it's a great product, but it wasn't optimal. Is was, was there a way to do it in a way that was really you know if you're swinging for the fences, you're you're going deep.
0: This was regular uh, Jack Mashville. Yep. As well. So yeah. it's not even the weeded component. So that's another yeah. thing that you yeah. so
3: Yes. Yeah. If you follow the process along, it's a standard old number seven recipe. It's been charcoal mellowed. It's gone into a toasted and charred oak barrel, fully matured there. It's been dropped back into a toasted maple barrel. Uh, and then it was mellowed on the back side of the second barrel. So it's double barreled and double mellowed. Um, but like I said, the barrel's a, not a good idea for a lot of reasons. Um, but toasted maple's beautiful and you got to get the proof right. So, and dealing with the maple wood, what I really, I've, I've dealt with a lot of different woods uh, for finishing beyond oak and i thought maple was the one that was the most universally appealing um it's just it's really nice plus it's it's a tennessee thing right you make maple charcoal Uh, we weren't going to be charcoal mellowing our whiskey but it was a way to introduce maple which is sort of the one unique offering of Tennessee uh, in the the space and doing a unique twist on it. I chose to go weeded because I had never worked with weeded grain bills at Jack Daniels. So it sort of was like a different lane for me to run in. Why not? Um, And I also understood being softer, not having the high rye content meant that the maple's going to be a little bit more prominent uh, on the on the palate. So you know, approachable complexity. Those were sort of the two words that I had. I want I want something that is good for the new drinker, satisfies the existing drinker, the mature drinker uh, at the same time. I'd like to go head to head. If you want to do it, I think the glass on your left um, is the twenty seven gold. Um, you can tell it's a alone color. by the color. Yeah, yeah, ours is much darker for sure. I still laugh at color to a degree too. Like some folks get
1: just real big on that. I mean, I've had folks just forever I'm like. Well, what the hell did it taste like? I mean, you know, it's like looking at something in a window shop. Yeah, it's the
4: law of diminishing returns, you know. It it was 130 proof and, you know, opaque. It must be good. Which is probably
1: almost as bad. But at the same time, it's just like, all right, let's just cut the chase. What does it taste like? You know, it's nitty-gritty here.
0: I I love when you go to a whiskey review and somebody's like, it's amber. And I'm like, no shit. (laughs) Right?
3: Like. What I would tell people is, of course, you go up and I have had machinery that could actually tell me exactly what the color was that was very precise. But uh, just going and getting samples out of barrels and warehouses, I would say the whiskey's always going to be brown. The question is, what's the under the undercast of that? Is it yellow? Is it orange or is it red? Yellow, you're probably not quite there. Orange, you're getting close. If you're red, you know you're mature. Uh, this was what you would typically see in a single barrel, uh, for sure. So you can kind of see this, this peaking orange to red in our liquid. kind of sends a signal um, that it's mature. But I was really pleased with how it turned out. You know, we, we chose 90 proof. For me, it's it's approachable. Uh, it's solid. It's still good for cocktail making. But for a new drinker, I think it kind of strikes the right balance uh, of alcohol content. Well, I wonder, but, too, how
1: many people are trying to, uh, as they get into it, coming in from the perspective of, of having neat pours a whole mm-hmm. lot more probably i've never really like tried to analyze a group of people or even just like a social event but i think inevitably like more people that are getting into whiskey now they aren't doing it with the two rocks Gotta you look. know in the rock yeah. glass and maybe mm-hmm. splash of water this, that they're trying to go at it and eat and you know if you get a little too excited or go for that you know high proof cash strength whatever <laughs> you're not used to it right you, you know you just burn yourself yeah. you're like what well, do i hide it and suck it up and tell it to come
2: <laughs> yeah. it's, it's supposed to be like it's good
4: yeah you know i think you know you, and y'all know from talking with me uh, my philosophy has always been your spirit should be good enough to be consumed neat at room temperature like whatever you're doing we're making spirits not ingredients and so that was you know that was a part of our flagship you know 90 proof and can you sip it neat what are, what are most people going to want to do and if you don't like it as hot at 90 drop an ice cube in it it's going to open up and be really nice
0: I would say, I mean, obviously with the proof, and your proof is 90 proof opposed to the 80 proof of the 27, there is a little more sweetness in the 27, and it might just be because it was the whole maple cask, it might be that... It was 80 proof. It might be a whole number of
4: things, but... It's a lot of the Jack Daniels yeast. Like, it, their yeast culture really plays on the the barrel in a certain distinct way that makes it a lot sweeter.
0: But I also think that there is a fullness in the company that is lacking in the 27. So, when we sit there and say... And it's not necessarily the proof, right? It's like when a certain distillery in Frankfurt, Kentucky puts out (laughs) a $2,000 bottle and the proof is 80... Yeah. I just, and it's not a proof thing. Uh, it's just my heart goes mm-hmm. down a little bit because it's like, this is going to be so expensive and I'm going to sip it and it's going to be thin.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it was old juice, too. Yeah. The older it is, the, Don't, the, 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 the more you cut it, it gets, the worse it's just going go to yeah, go down. It gets past its
3: prime because all that wood, uh, it comes out. Yeah. And it's not good. But it's you almost just, like scrape your tongue, the tannins and stuff. Yeah.
0: But it, it, for me, it's 100% a mouthfeel. It's not yeah. even necessarily the proof. It's yeah. like you can have Four Roses, what is it, the nude label now? Yeah. <laughs> but you can have the artist formerly known as Four Roses Yellow Label That it is an 80-proof <laughs> whiskey that is super thick. That's really what it comes down to. It's like I want something that I don't feel like I'm not drinking something. And this one which is your straight bourbon finish with maple wood. I totally get that. At least a full mouth feel. the staves. I mean, I'm trying to figure out.
1: I thought it was sweeter than the 27, honestly.
0: I just thought, I thought the it's 27 richer. was sweeter, but yeah. this one was, or, or, yeah.
1: I feel the sugars sticking to the tongue better. I think that's what gives the finish. Yeah. I was trying to not overly dissect it, but. Oh, dissect it. Let's be, hear it. We'll just yeah. be a little intelligent to the degree of, all right, why am I getting this like perception and feeling on the tongue? What's causing it to hold there? You know, things like that. Um, I feel
0: like those are questions you ask yourself a lot, though. Like, why are you wearing a hoodie? (laughs) Because it was like 60 degrees outside. Didn't you grow up in Boston? I did, but like, this is my favorite time of the year to just wear a hoodie.
1: Okay. Hmm. This is not a thick hoodie. They make thin Mm. ones? They do.
3: They're hoodies. That's a hoodie. Well, it's a hoodie. Well, one of the things that we brought (laughs) that's really exclusive is we actually brought the full cast strength version of the liquid. Now, we're not planning on offering this to the public, but you know I have tasted liquids at full cast strength that, that obviously needed to be cut down to 90, 80 proof, something less than full cast strength because they were just like pure heat. I mean, there's gasoline notes. So I would say that we're like out of necessity, they were reduced to a certain proof. I would tell you that we went to 90 by choice. Um, mm-hmm. I, I am completely confident at full cast strength. The one, Yeah. <laughs> that's 113 now you
0: know why yeah.
3: i brought our hoodie <laughs> <laughs> there's a 113.9 right well there played. so uh, you know the proof the proof cut was by choice it wasn't by necessity um I'm, I'm very confident if we went out at full cast strength that it's a it's a winner there as well and eventually i think we'll get to that we, you know Heath was talking about it we want a flagship that kind of you know establishes us as a brand and then we'll work to the edges uh from there
1: yeah you gotta have the baseline
3: um, Got to. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this this is what we intend to do is kind of get known for this. It's the one – just get one quality bottle. You can serve it into your company. And then for the aficionados out there who are like, I really – I want to see it full punch. Everything you got. You know, some of the barrels obviously in ours came with um, like 110 entry proof, which was very beneficial to us as well. <laughs> um, you run into
1: it too when yeah. you got the friend comes over and like, ah, you always talk about this bourbon stuff. Pour me something good. You pull <laughs> three or four, you know, <laughs> good ones out. Might be – older bottles that are expensive but and then their cash drink like you got any uh, any water (laughs) got any ice or water or just a 90 proofer I had a buddy from school in town a few months back and you know poured him some nice old stuff some willets and a few other things and Starts looking at the cabinet. and I'm like, oh, that's something unique. Like I, you- I bring <laughs> whatever I have, man. I don't care with my closest friends. Like, I just need something about 90 proof. You got like an eagle rare? <laughs> well, I know. I know you're a barrel-proof guy. What do you think? I like it, but like you said to begin with, it, it's not an an even kilter kind of I can just sit here and enjoy this. And yeah. uh John and I, one of the few times we've actually probably aligned over the years now is we've kind of hit a wave together where it's like, yeah, I, I enjoy full flavored. I really do. I love sitting there and, and working it and getting everything I can. I haven't taken notes, mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't want to do it for four hours. I want to watch TV or play on my phone or do something else. And I don't need something that's too much to distract me or, or overly engage me. I just want a nice, sweet, easy profile. I, I'm not going to get reflux later. It's going to go great with whatever I want to have for supper. <laughs> and I can just sit there and enjoy it. Thoroughly, and I, th- that's really where both of I've gone. Almost like a, I wouldn't say regression, but we certainly appreciate nine to a hundred way more than we used to. You
0: know, it's the mouthfeel I talked about yeah. with you, but it's also fatigue of doing a podcast for five years. Yeah. Where I'm sure you know you all feel it in the brands. You're tasting the, the same thing over and over, and at the same time, you're like, I don't want to think. It's the reason why sometimes I'm opening a door with Tatum right now, but sometimes I like to play Bejeweled because (laughs) I don't have to think about anything when I'm moving these stupid diamonds around. That's fantastic. That's not surprising
2: about you.
4: But i tell you what, you've not, I know for a fact you haven't tasted anything like this liquid because it doesn't exist in the market outside of those bottles. Because we we went to the... I mean, if you knew where we went and looked for Easter eggs, there's the MGP component to it. But then the other two, you'd never.
3: So how long was the, the maple in there? You know, we're still trying to figure out exactly how long it's going to take. Um, I would tell you when the whiskey's hot, like it was when we started the finishing process, I yeah. think a month or two gets it done. You almost don't want to overdo it. But <clears> we're, <throat> we're establishing sort of the tasting standards for it. It'll be a taste test more than a time test, um, but we'll have to figure out. We have We haven't put it through its paces yet to be quite honest, but it'll have to, we'll have to run it through the seasons. That definitely yeah. seems to
1: be kind of the, I guess, like, you know, blending's one caveat and skill yep. that, you know, you really have to learn over time. But as far as finishing, at least from what, you know, we can see and talking to people, it's very dependent, obviously, weather conditions like that, but then also just the product because some things will come out and we'll give it six months like the other two things we did. One of those took on way too much. One yep. was pretty good and this yep. one... I Barely got a hint out of you could have gone another six. Yep, it's just like I think it's um, there's not a magic recipe, it's, this much more, it's much more labor intensive, but at least attention. And you've got to yeah. be there pulling, like, all right, every week we go pull this. Why yeah, we'll we, just see where it is because
3: we, it, we pulled every two weeks until hmm. we kind of had gotten to that point where we're like, we think we're ready, let's pull the trigger.
0: And it's almost like we because I feel like staves it's tougher than an actual cask because i've just had and and maybe it's some of the other stave brands i've tasted almost tastes artificially sweet and when i say that i'm not necessarily getting this with yours but i think that's the the difficulty is how do you put it in there so it's almost like you try it every two weeks and then there's a certain point where it's like all right now we got to move daily because when that turns the second it turns it's like it's not the
1: same thing. Anymore. Well, that artificial is just too much of a compliment to me. Like yeah. it, it, it doesn't support it. It dominates it. And then you've got a flavor with a, oh yeah, a kicker on the side of whiskey. Like that's not, you know, where it needs to go to, to have the synergy.
3: Of course, I didn't have you know big tanks or anything to work with to kind of build this model out. <laughs> so I, I mean, I literally started with mason jars in my kitchen at home. I mean, it really. I mean, that should we should have gotten that on oh, camera? Yeah, we should have got that. Um, but hmm. you know, trying to decide there, you know, what is the right component makeup for the recipe, and then how's how to finish and how long and at what level, I was stunned really at how well going to thousands of gallons in, in this first batch. I was we were able to predict how you know out of a pint jar, oh, yeah. uh, where this thing was headed. I'll tell you oh, what, man. that was blew me away.
1: So that, that scared yeah. the living daylights out of me. Yeah, cause, cause you like, know, the, well, it's the, the same percent, same proportion. We're doing the same thing. Well, you yeah. also went from, the, I don't know if micro is the right kind of word to scale. To I,
3: didn't want I didn't want my That's partners terrifying. to know it, but I was waking up with cold sweats at night <laughs> when we were in those final days.
2: It's okay. Uh, I was sweating
3: yeah. with you. It's okay. I'm still sweating. We need labels. We need uh, labels printed. That was there the day that we had the batch finally prepared, getting it ready for, uh, for bottles that. You know, should soon be there. So literally, the liquid you're trying right now is the finished liquid. Um, It's it's not a mock-up. But I was there tasting it. It was like ding, ding, ding. We got a winner you know winner winner chicken dinner guys. it was
0: better when i didn't talk over you and yeah. you said it the first time
4: like <laughs> there's a difference between uh confidence and arrogance and like you know i think part of confidence knows that well you could be wrong you know well uh but this uh, what's crazy is jeff's not even telling the whole story on on the mad scientist stuff like you go and hit the man cave which is his uh sort of garage down in tullahoma and you know, it's like a Breaking Bad scene. It's got like, jars everywhere, and they're labeled with, you know, what's in there, what the wood finish is, percentages of the components. And, you know, we've tasted through these things a bunch of times. And I will tell you, the it is remarkable how close to the model this came out. Yeah, it's it's it pretty did. pretty spot yeah. on.
2: It's kind of scary, actually. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll tell
0: you, I like the nose. And, Zeke, I'm interested in what you think, because the nose for me on this literally takes me to grains and grits. Yeah, because it's that campfire. Yeah, and it's kind of funny, like going back to origin stories. But it's it's that campfire maple with whiskey, all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's very much a a fall pour.
4: Speaking of grains of grits, does it bring back raccoons or bears? bears? Okay,
0: bears. It definitely has that.
3: That campfire aspect to it. You know, to me, um, the toasting process is interesting because it accomplishes such different things than charring does. You have to use time and heat and not live fire uh, to accomplish it. So it's always my best analogy was always, you know, you think about a marshmallow and there's that impatient approach where you just stick it in there, let it catch fire, pull it back and blow it out. And it's going to add complexity to the the sugars of the marshmallow, but they're going to be largely bitter, -bitter, semi-bitter in flavor. But if you'll take that slow, patient approach in the heat of the fire, slowly turn it and brown it, most people would say that's desirable. And that's what you're doing to the maple here. So you're kind of catching that sort of above-the-fire marshmallow toast uh, on the wood here.
0: That is the opposite of the sandlot method yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah this, this, this is the this
3: is the singe the hair on your knuckles slow patient approach that chris, chris is not the most patient guy on the planet but so yeah. we'll, we'll actually toast his marshmallows for him
2: yes. Chris, I so have, have to absolutely toast him for him. he'll he walk away he'll walk away yeah. all frustrated and that's is, not because
3: he's impatient that's because
4: we're afraid he's going to set himself on fire
0: <laughs> chris is there like listen arnett this is how you do it first you take the gram then you put the chocolate on the
3: gram. <laughs>
1: I, know, uh, I do love the mar- the toasting marshmallows uh, oh, a tasty analogy so though, good. Which, it is cuz it is you can yeah. you can just see the layers of your eyes and and when you taste it like I yep. think that's the, one of the best like sensory i guess it experiments is. you could do for people and I <laughs> I've never thought about it. It'd probably go great with a, a bourbon tasting or like educational type thing of like, yeah. well try
2: this. Here's the try, different
3: yeah. levels of toast and char and here's what you're tasting and what it really does or is. Yep, this yeah, this is not meant to be that burnt marshmallow. This is <laughs> this is the slow, patient, toasted. You so, guys could uh,
0: get like a little thing, like one of those little mini fire pits you put on the stage. You know, like how they have those uh, at restaurants for desserts. Little or- rotisserie. No, it's like they put this little ceramic mm-hmm. thing on your table, and they give you skewers and, mm-hmm. and marshmallows. Do it, yeah, yeah. like a melting pot. Yeah. You we could, could but you that. could actually have a little fire there, and you could be like, "This is how uh, Tatum cooks his marshmallows," <laughs> and then put it right in. Here's how Jeff does it.
4: For Tatum's, we'd have to have like a blowtorch and <laughs> just mm-hmm. just set it on. No fires. patience. Yep. No. So uh, Zeke, okay. you always get very creative and I like pacing the, notes so i, like I need to balance. hear some zeke
1: i like the balance very well again I, I think the biggest kicker for me with anything that has a finish or an extra component to it is i would always prefer it to be the supporting cast And, you know, like you alluded to earlier, you know, rising tides help everything. I I think a finish should do that. And it should just complement the product, not mask, dominate, or, you know, try to fleece anybody over for probably a lack of better or bad words. And I think that's where this falls is it is completely just supporting cast. It helps move it up. I think it's interesting, too, with the and mash bill, at least from what we try to halfway figure out or learn You know, the wheat normally is more of either a catalyst or just not inert, but it doesn't put out as much of a pronounced flavor, whereas it'll help other things that are in there, whether it's good or bad, you know, help in that kind of sense. Call it dry Cheerios. And so I I feel like that's where the, the, the relationship comes in of the finish with the maple is it helps that wheat that's probably not ripe enough yet if it was on its own, to have gotten, well, if it's in the right barrel, have gotten the right kind of characteristics like, yeah. and flavors and, and nutrients from the wood. But it also allows it to not
3: hinder it as well. It, mm-hmm. it, it helps it, I guess, put its best foot forward. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I would tell you, I like to maple. Like I said, because I had experimented with it before in the 27 gold, but I also thought wheat, would it worked well with it. Um, I think we're probably going to look to things that include rye with different wood grain bills maybe look at malts uh, at some malts point. Pandora's box. I mean, yeah. who yeah. who knows
1: which wood or or you know finishing process goes best with this or that
3: grain g- and oh, then- that's exactly it. Yeah. We're we're going to pair the distillate with the correct <laughs> wood finish. Then you're not going to sleep for a month. Yeah. <laughs> This is the one that was really costing me you know, some oh, sleep. Sure. I think getting getting the first one out and, and feeling like the model is solid. Because I was able to reproduce it multiple times on small scale, so I knew it was reproducible there. The question was, is there scale-up error?
2: Right.
3: Um, and I always had some intermediate steps I could take uh, when I had a lot of tanks uh, to work from. Uh, this one I had to pretty much commit to go from small scale to really large scale. But even still, I mean, it was a couple hundred barrels um on this first batch and um but we I I'm I was personally pleased with how it turned out it it was pretty much right on target of what I hoped it would be so I hope people enjoy it it's certainly what I like if I, not what they like I'm but sorry. I would say they all everybody had input mm-hmm. you know I think we mm-hmm. went through multiple iterations of of different ways those components could come together the the way the finish would would work uh, we just looked to basically we have new uh, drinkers in the group, we have some fairly mature drinkers in the group. You we know, have people w- that drink is, but aren't mature. Like, Yeah, you know, we have Chris. some old people that aren't very mature in the group.
2: <laughs> That'd be me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we're clear. It's not on TV,
3: uh, but I just want to make sure we're clear. But, you know, clearly what, what we were looking for is something that we thought had, you know, had the most appeal across the, the whole group of people, you know.
2: Well, I think
1: it's, it, you know, maybe even laugh at myself and saying the word think, but it's where you can easily overthink it or put too much into mm-hmm. it. And then you just kind of run yourself into a rut. But, yeah. I mean, how long's whiskey been around? A while. How long was it right around that 9 to 100 mark for forever? Yeah. Yes, right now do people love cash drinks? Yeah. To a degree, yeah, yes. Yeah, but cash drinks used to be 100, but maybe they, 105. But they can't be yeah. drinking
4: it all yeah, night or no. they're not functioning. Yeah. But I tell you, yeah. you know, the, yeah. it goes back yeah. to philosophy about sessionability and approachable complexity. like we weren't trying to to make a unicorn right so it was easier not to get down that or go down that rabbit hole of is this the best ever is this the magic barrel because it wasn't trying to make one single barrel of the greatest single barrel of whiskey there was ever made it was like let's make a blend that is going to be great you know every day of the week you know not just For your one-off four.
0: I'm interested, Jeff, you know, especially coming off what you have come off of. and, And this is your first kind of venturing out into your own. How much did you labor over it before you finally put that stamp on it and
3: said, okay, this is it. I'm done. Um, I probably spent, I want to say about six, eight months. Mm -hmm. But like when you got
0: there, did you know you got there right away? Or was it something where you're like, I want to tinker with this a little bit more. I'm going to come back to this. Or like, were you pretty confident once you got there? You're like, boom, that's it.
3: I sorted through a lot of different liquids that had different, you know, grain anatomies and stuff like that. As I got to some that, you know, the wheats are a little bit more of an oddball out there. If we're being honest, they're they're not as readily identifiable and stuff like that. Uh, Not as many brands leaning on them. That was attractive to me. Uh, and I actually like the fact that you know, if you look at the the weeded subset of bourbons out there today, a lot of them are more premium in nature. You, you know, you got Pappy and Weller and Maker's Mark and Maker's 46. You've got basically this smaller, you know, most of them include rye, but the ones that do include wheat tend to be upper shelf. Yeah. Uh, in, in nature and I'm like I I, I like that because I didn't I didn't leave Jack to make cheap whiskey I, that was the first thing you know it's like I, I, w- I really want this to be nice I want to take the best stuff from where I came from put it on the table can I match can I go toe to toe with my old place that's what I want I felt like this hit the mark. So I was I was like I said very pleased with it, but I knew I needed something that was a little bit soft um because I wanted the maple to shine cuz you know if if the whiskey has a ton of character then you almost have to overdo the wood for it to have any relevance at all. I didn't want that. I wanted it to still be approachable. I wanted there to be some complexity, some interest to it. But having the softer nature of wheat in play allowed the maple to really shine without being overbearing. And it was trying to strike that balance. But what I set out to do, I believe this bottle perfectly represents that. But we've got many more things we want to do. How much is this going to come out for? Based on we're going to be going into Tennessee and then into Georgia shortly thereafter. We're pricing it into distribution, we don't really control retail, but it's got a suggested retail of about fifty nine ninety nine. Is what we're thinking it will be, which definitely puts it in the premium end of the shelf. But you know, the bottle we tasted tonight, I've got the receipt on it. 130 uh, with tax. So, you know, if you're comparing it to that, it's a value.
0: I totally understand that. But the other thing is uh what is the plan? So you talked about the five year plan, you talked about that kind of stuff. You you want to get that ninety proofer out as far and wide as you can. So what is the plan? How many states does it need to be in before you introduce that castering skew? If you do that, you know, is there a plan there where it's like, all right, if if we hit a certain amount of distribution, is it number of cases where you're pulling levers? Is it well, number of
2: states? It's probably I mean, the way it would used to be, all those questions would there would have been answers to them and that would have you know created this matrix of when we do it. But really we are really gonna be have to think a lot about the whole raw material, the supply chain. Because such a mess. We're gonna have to maximize those dollars. As we do this. So if, if right now, you know, Tennessee, we want we want to win home. That's our goal is to win home. We want to win Tennessee. So Tennessee and Georgia, we have a great partner in, in Empire Distributing. Uh, they also have Colorado. So that would be an easy go-to, if you will. And then we've identified because of where we're at in Townsend, you know, there's a core eight to 14 states that visit that region a lot. And so, you know, we talked about that. It's, it's a perfect exam or a perfect way to market it without marketing it intentionally because those people are coming from ohio and everything else so that's going to be big for us so we're going to rely a lot on data you know jeff has a lot of data in, in his mind but also in, in in his taste and everything else and then from a distribution it'll be a lot of data as well as far as you know who's buying it where they buying it from and that kind of deal but the biggest thing is supply chain it's huge so we're you're going to rely on that dollars.
0: ipad when people come to the distillery and sign our guest book, where'd you come from?
2: Not necessarily. No, it's not yeah. a matter yeah. of. Not necessarily. Yeah. I, I was, yeah, I was, I was like, like,
3: kidding. I not say. necessarily. I actually, I already have a lot of data on the U.S. <laughs> yeah. and where brown spirits are most consumed. <laughs> yeah. So we kind of know what the. We know where we want to look go. Like. No, yeah. I just yeah. wanted. It, to I would say it's going to have to be controlled growth for yeah. sure. Yeah, it's um, going to be controlled. We don't. We don't want to put so much in distribution that we don't have enough bottles to even cover our own shelves. We we want to actually have uh, accommodating um, facilities where people can come and and know for sure that they're going to be able to, pick up a bottle if they come there, that that'll be the reward for making the trip to come see us. Uh, so we want Townsend and Thompson Station and Alcoa to have a healthy package store. And these like things like cast drink may be introduced there in small quantities and stuff yeah. like that. So we can start to test the waters there. We want to create some, some tasting flights. We may do some different grain bills and different wood finishes that you'll only see in-house. And we're going to use that almost as market research based on what people, how they respond to it. We can figure out, you know, what is the next variant? You know, what should be our second whiskey, our third, our fourth? To Chris's point, you know, Townsend, from that one location, um, we're going to see, you know, I think four, about 14 million people if we can get people to come out of the park in our direction. Now that's about how many people visited there last year, and they and they come from a lot of different states. So, if we're only going to be in Tennessee, at least we're getting exposure, visibility yeah. to a lot of different states because the park draws so many guests from the eastern half of the United States.
2: And you know, just being associated with the the Tennessee whiskey in and of itself is the biggest, you know, great marketing point for us. I mean, you and I've joked, and but we've also talked serious about just the the order of magnitude that Tennessee whiskey and. And the tourism aspect that that brings and how many people visit our trail versus any other trails that are around, you know. And so um, we're fortunate to be on that and, and continue to to maximize those marketing opportunities.
0: I say this with peace and love to our friends out in East Tennessee because we, we have a lot of friends out there. I think it is going to be a game changer having more of a traditional yes. distillery out there than, you know, yes, are there stills it's, it's out like there? It's largely Moonshine, yeah. Are there stills? Are there people doing whiskey out there? Heck yeah. But is there a place that you can actually go and tour and have it be like Mm -hmm. a traditional distillery?
3: No. Barrels ricked up in warehouses and the full full money of what you get from a... A big distiller. You'll have that at Alcoa.
0: And that'll be something that'll be very... I mean, I think you're still going to have some barrels in Townsend, right, with the the rendering that I saw, or no? We we may have some there just for... Small scale. I think you got to just for aesthetics.
3: Well, you know, if we want to, like, bring something in and do it at cast strength... You yeah. may see a barrel come in where we're basically just going through the filtering and cutting processes on it. But you know, Townsend one of I think one of the reasons why you've never seen the distillery go to Townsend is that there's no natural gas and there's no municipal sewer. So you're <laughs> yeah. you're you're gonna basically work off of electricity and a septic tank. Yeah. So that really limits I mean, we we couldn't build a <laughs> Yeah, a global brand out of Townsend. Even though it's one of the most beautiful spots in the state of Tennessee, All right,
0: you just gotta take empty barrels and then just put it in the distillery. So it styrofoam, like actually, styrofoam start barrels. A new
4: company, and it's gonna be barrel floating down the Little River instead of <laughs> yeah. tubes. People yeah. would pay and then we can for that. Go yeah. over the dam he's down there. He's
2: Joking, a, he's joking. Let's tell him start that rumor, please. Yeah. I think it'd be a great, great
4: idea. I mean, they well, do it at Niagara used Falls, to do, I right? Used to take Niagara Falls. So used to why can't a, we do yeah, it? Get in, a barrel. Get in a barrel. If the Canadians over. can do it, we can do it. That's you all know what I, I would
0: saying. love is is the time that I go with you and get in the barrel and then it just sinks to the bottom. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> you getting in the barrel would be a challenge as well, but that's a different We'd conversation. Have to get one know. of those big full like wine barrels I mean, or hogsheads. Yeah.
0: <laughs> as long as I had a hoodie, I'd have some padding.
1: Sherry barrels or something. A hoodie. We we put John in the Solera barrel. The
2: Solera drive.
1: That's pretty good. I, I will say, so now that you've got this first batch out of the way, are you able to focus more on the uh, the new truck edition you picked up, the C10? Or uh-huh.
3: <laughs> are it still getting neglected? No, you know – If I had not gotten into distilling, I wanted to work in cars. You know, I ended up getting an engineering degree hoping to work in the automotive field. So that's still a passion of mine. And um, so, yeah, I have a a 1974 C10 pickup that's – I just put a Blueprint 496 in it that dynoed at 601. Uh, So it's a little scary, a little scary (laughs) to drive that. It doesn't have any air conditioning, so I didn't drive it much through the summer because I don't don't do well with black vinyl when it's 90 degrees out. Yeah, I I can sweat like John over there. It's just, to, it's just hard to cook. <laughs> yes. Yeah, over. it, it is. It, I, actually just, I just actually put the serpentine uh, accessory drive on it and added a compressor. So I'm going to put air conditioning on it. I got to get it ready for Pigeon Forge and all those car shows oh, yeah. over there, right?
0: Zeke actually has not been following Mr. Arnett on Instagram because if you did, you would know that this man just got his contractor's license.
1: Got that written down number two on my questions yeah. stuff. Oh, Woo. you contractor. did.
0: Congratulations. Yeah. Hey.
3: Actually, actually I actually don't I actually don't have Zeke? my license yet um, but what's required to get your license is to pass two tests. So I did actually do that part. So the business law and the builders part of the test I passed. And, Congratulations. Uh, so We're actually going to gonna set up a construction wing, I guess, under company. Yeah. And this because Alcoa is about a 31-acre property, so we've actually lined up a GC to handle the building of the distillery. But there's like little small things around the property we'll want to do. And this way we won't have to wait, you know, and standing in line for somebody to come out. I can pull permits. We can work with subs, get, you know, build a music stage, all the other things that we kind of planned to do on the property. So we'll just simplify. Bridges, the small zip projects. lines. Yeah. Well, you're empty nesting now too, right? Well, my, my daughter's still at Huntsville. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So my, my son's at, at Huntsville. Uh, so he's a sophomore in college there and my daughter we're, we're still in tullahoma we decided not to move to east tennessee until she graduates from tullahoma i wish we will happen next summer and but, then uh, you'll be but out she's there. excited she's she's actually uh, on fall break so she's going to visit etsu and she's thinking that's where she wants to go to school so she's going to end up going to johnson nice. city and we're, yeah, we're excited that she wants to stay close to us over in east tennessee we'll be moving <laughs> there soon enough
0: well it's gorgeous out there it is so we know what's going on with mr arnett <laughs> nobody cares about tatum but Heath, I'm curious about you. Are you still going to be lawyering?
4: I don't know if you ever get over it. I'm going certainly maintain my law license, but um you know, I've been working two or three full time jobs for about ten years now, and so
1: it's it's time to only work on one. I just want to know if you had any new botanicals that were going to be going into any gins coming up. I've got some I ideas that stuff. John talks about. <laughs> I've got He's some ideas. Uh,
0: You're going to be able to focus at the end of this year. H Clark will be no more as of 1231. Right. And then it will all be company or is there a different cutover date?
4: Uh, that's roughly the the timeline, uh, whether it occurs on 1231 or, you know, one thirty one, you know, we'll see, but uh, we're going to roll over. Um, About the time that Townsend opens, we're going to rebrand and then uh, be off to the races that way.
0: I am interested in Mr. Tatum as well, because what I will say is since company has started, typically you would call Chris Tatum and he'd either pick up and say, hey, let me call you right back, or you would text, I'm in a meeting, let me call you back later. And then like five days would pass and you would call back. (laughs) I will say that you have been much more accessible. So are you still doing side gigs as well? Or is this (laughs) No, No, this
2: is it. We've got enough uh, on our plate as it is. I mean, it's not a small feat. I mean, you think about it, we're about to, as he said, we're going to rebrand, relaunch Thompson station. We have Townsend open in February, March. Uh, around the heels of that, you're going to have Alcoa. We're excited. We're working on a fourth location already. Um, and we have several municipalities across the state reaching out. This is a brand that can go elsewhere and still be successful. So we have our hands full collectively. Well, and being obviously
1: a, a large presence in East Tennessee, and I think most folks do laugh, but skews and sales wise moonshine yeah. over there crushes it. Yeah. It are, does. Are, are you going to be uh, launching any of those?
2: You know, I think we're going to, we're going to, it's, it's natural for us to have some, there's a history. There's a huge history. Yeah. It's actually how we came up with uh, the name of our, uh, what we've referred to as fun flavors. <laughs> um and so there will not be a mason jar in the building we've all agreed on that
3: um, <laughs> yeah. and you know what big props I call to it, guys, I call it sophisticated chat we're we're going to have a we're going to have a, no, 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 a, no, a no, high end no? line of flavored spirit. listen I mean, the here's Cash the thing i know
2: i know the numbers and big props to sugarlands and old forge and old smoky and all the guys over there doing old tennessee all those guys they're still growing year over year they're killing it so it's not like they're flat and they're just rotted out We'll have some, you know, like Heath and even Jeff talked about, we're going to have a variety of people of uh, lines there in Townsend. It's going to kind of be a, what'd you call it, like an experimental spot for us a little bit, mm-hmm. you know? Um, cocktails will be a big focus for us. Um, that's a, a big focus for us overall. Um, whereas this is definitely more, you know, a neat or. Yeah, I mean, I think in the sense of,
1: you know, bourbon and whiskey, folks obviously laugh and poke at it, but then you say, well, <laughs> let me tell you how much uh, that put into our
3: pocket last year.
1: That's exactly yeah. what I would do. Z. Oh, wow. Uh, Hold up. <laughs> You know, where do I sign up to get some
3: of those going out the door? Well, look, our our approach to those is gonna be a little bit different. (laughs) We want them, we need them. People are gonna buy them. We understand that, but to to go a little bit higher in alcohol, to drop the sugars down, to use all natural ingredients, to be more cocktail focused with what we offer there, where it's like grab that bottle and these two bottles together, or take that bottle and cranberry or whatever, and and something that people can Mm -hmm. take back to the campground, uh, that's easy. Uh, for them to make cocktails back in their camps. We want to do that. Um, but we're, it's not a distribution strategy for us. I think that's no. kind of what we've yeah. all kind of decided that that's, that pipeline is full. Yeah. Nobody's looking for 31 flavors of your brand yeah. uh, to put in a store somewhere.
0: Don't and knock the mason jars now because the way the glass is, you might actually need the it. mason jars, <laughs> yeah. hell. Are you telling me we're going to
3: need You baggies? can't even get mason jars. I, I told you I was doing batching in my kitchen in mason yeah. jars. That was until Walmart sold out of mason, mason jars. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you couldn't know, even get them there. Yeah.
2: I'll tell you know to your point though about the you know the financial success of of spirits overall I mean um we were fortunate that we looked up <clears throat> when we started talking about this and then finally made the decision Jeff left Jack I sold out of what I was doing and we looked up and I'm like you know damn we've done a lot of work legislatively and these laws, you know, they kind of benefit a new guy, you know. Yeah. So, so you,
3: you know, like, and that didn't weigh on our decisions at all. It was the request. It was, of, it was the request of other people saying, yeah. "We need this," and we were like, "Well, it doesn't really harm anyone, so yeah. let's figure out what's fair to allow you everyone really to do, and we'll just go forward and get that passed." And then all of a sudden, once we got it together, we're just like, "You know that thing we did a few years ago? <laughs> we're really gonna like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That new law is really gonna help."
2: But it's it's a it's a matter of that. I mean, we listen to the you know that that guild has by industry members. I mean that's the bottom line, you know, you got to have that DSP to be in that to be in that room. And we agreed, you know, almost seven over seven years ago that we're going to, you know, fight it out in that room as brothers and sisters and we have each other's back and yep. and trust each other and we'll let the marketing teams Cut and dig on each other, but what came of that is requests of how how do we we were always asking the question what can we do to make your distillery more successful how can we make this industry more successful and you do you look up a couple of years later and you've got a very you know business friendly legislative scheme that bodes well for entry into the into the you know into the industry. Of course, into the
3: of course we were all on the board together. So we actually hired a facilitator to come in and kind of talk us through some priority and goal setting, mm-hmm. mission statements and mm-hmm. stuff. We came up with a five year plan, completely crushed it all like in 18, mm-hmm. 24, 24 months. We 24 really months. we had to yeah. call them back in yeah. and like okay we, we need some supposed to do. <laughs> <laughs> we done all that stuff. Yeah. We thought it was gonna take us five years yeah. to get it done. Within two years we had it completely crushed. Yeah. We had to go back to our membership and say, okay You know, the things that we thought we weren't going to be able to get done, we've got them done. So what's next? What's what's the low hanging fruit? What would help the most of our membership? And let's start sorting through that, put together priorities and go hit it again.
2: Yeah you, you got to remember we're still young. I mean we we launched in March of 14. 13 of us and Jack and George weren't even, you know, a, a part of it. And luckily they they did come along. But um at this last a, um um ADI, you know, they do a, like a ranking of uh, of of basically the business friendly aspects and legislative uh quote power or legislative influence or legislative friendly um, aspects of a state and five, six years, six years ago, we weren't even, we couldn't spell legislative probably, <laughs> you know? And so, uh, but we're, we're widely considered a top three in the U you know, S when it comes to the now, we'll say you know, we, influence we've a lot. We've got a couple of big fights left to go. Yeah. You know, we
4: still have some artifacts of this, uh, just stupid legislative scheme that came out of prohibition that are, you know, just patently unfair. We've been able to beat back most of the, the, the big issues, but there's still some big ones that we need to address. And, we, we plan on doing that.
2: And we, we got to continue to lead. I mean, and we will and we do. We lead as an industry. Yeah. Kentucky's a good second place team. I think it's, they got a cute little trail up there.
0: <laughs> well, what I like about it, and I tell people this too, like I also say.
4: They're kind of like the paved
2: trail to yeah, like the he, he's sort
0: done, of trickle of a waterfall. I'm going to say something serious. I'm going to say <laughs> if you think about Tennessee and Kentucky, Kentucky's ahead because Prohibition ended earlier in Kentucky. When you look at those distilleries, well, it not, not
4: just ended earlier, it, it started later. Yeah. So Tennessee went into in, Prohibition 10 years ahead of Kentucky. And so I'm not saying. And stayed five years longer. And, and so it it all the distilleries moved here. to Kentucky before Volstead and
3: St. Louis. Yeah. And Saint I'm Saint just
0: saying where yeah, Tennessee is, if you think about it, it's behind, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. You think about the things about Kentucky that everybody loved was Booker and Elmer and, and all those folks Fried getting chicken. together.
4: Kentucky Fried Chicken.
0: Kentucky Fried Turkey. But the things people were nostalgic for is you know, Jimmy and, and Elmer and everybody, Booker. That's where Tennessee is. And- People are going to be like, hey, remember when Jeff and Tim were sitting by a fire and they were talking about stuff and then they decided they should do something together or whatever it is. Like These are things where the folks in, in Tennessee, and that's why I love Grains and Grits so much, it's like the folks in Tennessee are getting together and they're really collabing that way. Kentucky has those big big conglomerates that are in there not saying we don't have some here in Tennessee but there's not as much as what's going on there so this is when people come back and look at what's going on in Tennessee it's like this is the golden age those years in Kentucky everybody was was nostalgic for they're gonna look back and be like hey remember that like 2020 to 2035 stretch Man. in tennessee oh, we're,
4: we're just hitting it we've got some yeah. really good whiskey coming out from some of our members you know mm-hmm. uh, kent merritt with old tennessee he's got mm-hmm. a fantastic tennessee whiskey coming out what stuff the old dominics do and our
3: friends in chattanooga we've got some yep. i mean the yeah. next five years for, made it, it's gonna be really up. magical i can I tell with the yeah. last grains and grits when i tried some of their newest stuff i was like i was super impressed yeah. zeke and i going. just
0: picked a barrel couple Sundays ago that that'll be out in Tennessee sometime in November. So yeah.
1: but folks enjoy well, it too. Like a hands-on approach, which once you get so big, you just can't do it anymore. I mean, it, honestly, yeah. it's not possible, mm-hmm. but you know, they, they stop in at the gift shop or whatever. And,
2: hey, so-and-so they were just hanging out.
1: Yeah. I got to say hi, she, she with him for three minutes, keep going.
2: We're young a in mess. a lot of areas, you know, as far as the age or the time that we've been around. But I mean, the sheer numbers, what you're talking about, Zeke, people eat that up and they will. I mean, you know, I'm going to hit you with it. I mean, six and a half plus million people visit the Tennessee Whiskey Trail year. And what was... What million was, and a half million and a half. half. A million
0: and a half. It's really easy when you go to Gatlinburg and there's 18 <laughs> distilleries right in the same place, too. I get
2: it. The numbers don't lie, bro. <gasps> yeah, numbers there's, don't lie. They, that's the, the only thing you can say that. Oh look man. at Nashville. But if, I look. I would, you know? I, Aleth. And, and you know, it's only a, three distilleries. Obviously, you're well. Never mind. You're from Kentucky, but you have to plan it out when you go to Kentucky. It's
0: like how many can I go to in one day?
3: Jeff says it best. You, yeah, you you were ah, telling. Hey, you were. I, I'm I'm going to give Kentucky some props here. You know. Oh, well, clearly no, no, Jeff's I, talking. I will. <laughs> um, yeah, they they've got bourbon and horses. Tennessee has everything else and basketball. Uh, <laughs> Eh? But, uh, when we were forming the guild, one of the things that we thought is that, and being part of the guild, we were working with state agencies and things of that nature, uh, and we're like, "Hey, we don't want to talk bad about one another. We don't want labels that people would find offensive." You know, we basically said we should create some standards by which, if you join this guild, you're agreeing to kind of, you know, follow these guidelines. So I reached out to the KDA uh, and basically said, "You know, y'all, would you share with us your code of ethics?" And it's like, "We don't have one." <laughs> <No> <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and, so the, and the response was but we should have we should have it yeah. would have saved us a lot of heartache over the years because there's been a lot of infighting about you know where the lines of decency are drawn. And that's one thing we really haven't fought that much in Tennessee. We had maybe one distillery. Who, we've
4: had two. So, okay. you know, that we basically when did. that came up, you know, uh, I ended up pulling that document together and, and working through it. And in broad strokes, you know, don't be stupid. Don't sell kids. No sexually explicit or offensive stuff. We've had two members that we've had to take action on over, you know, branding and, and that sort of thing. And and I'm proud of that. I think, okay. you know, it. it you know we want places where everybody feels welcome. We shouldn't celebrate certain you know repugnant parts of our 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 history and culture. Um,
0: sometimes you want to so. go where everybody knows your name. That's right. do
4: you know what uh, Chris? I just remember Somebody the first thing that please one now. of the reasons I <laughs> like John <laughs> this guy I don't know. so when I first met John, he was like, "You know, you know two things you should see when you're in Kentucky. And I was like, "What's that?" And he said, "Nashville." in Indianapolis.
0: <laughs> I will just say, y'all are a great company. This whiskey is... is I like it very much.
3: <laughs> I do. It just gets better and better, doesn't it?
1: I do like
0: this whiskey a lot, Zeke. what do? You, what's your no, final yeah, verdict? I'm
1: the, I'm the same, and I, I think, especially as an entry product, like you all alluded to, you don't want to be too bold. You don't want to go too far in one direction. Uh, I mean, I always equate things back to just to simply... First impressions are the most important. Middle of the road is great for a first impression. It it gets your foot in the door. It keeps everything going. You don't piss anybody off. Like, how hard is that to do in this day and age? Because it sounds like it's not, but it is. So I'm behind it
0: 100%. Well, we can't wait to come out to Townsend and Alcoa. And I actually was just by Heath's distillery over the weekend getting gas. So I will go there. We there We don't have a gas pump there. You do right around the corner. Are
4: they giving the you like station. some of the heads and tails putting your, in your truck? Is <laughs> you that know, one the, of those the Exxon like fuel whole, deals. Dude. Is that what you got? Is there fancy like that? There's
3: the Exxon station right around oh, the corner. They, it, they have great tater logs. You should get the tater They logs, do. Yeah. They have good food there, but... You know that really sick horse. It's all emaciated.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Y'all have great whiskey, great company, and that company is not even referring to your company. It's the company you keep, the people that you have around. I know the three of you are going to have a lot of fun. I feel bad for everybody that has to work with you, especially Jenna. I think you should start paying for her therapy bills already.
4: (laughs) It's called whiskey.
0: And uh, I I just want (laughs) to thank, thank her for getting us all together because even though we're all friends, it took somebody to actually wrangle the five of us to sit down at a table. I want people to look sometime here in October for company bourbon. It's going to be out in Tennessee.
2: All stores, select number of stores, where should they go find you? We're spreading in all regions. It'll be in all three regions. We
3: obviously in yeah. every store right away, but we'll, we'll be in... Yeah, we'll be we'll start canvassing the state probably mid October and hopefully by the end of October, first of November, we'll have gone into every market and introduced it and helped get it onto the shelves in all those markets. So
0: And as Jeff says, the whiskey should have a red hint. Yeah. It will be the hunt for red October. Mm. That was nice. Go find it in all your stores. Good job. Yeah. Is there a company go, Instagram don't, don't yet? Fluffing. There is a company that's doing Instagram. That for Instagram. Uh, Jeff is there. He he switched his Instagram name. He is Company Distiller One because he is the first distiller at Company
2: and only. Just as a point of fact, <laughs> I mean he
4: is company a distiller. Underscore distilling. If you're looking for the new handle.
0: Well, thank all of you for, for coming. This has been a pleasure. You can find us on Facebook at Dad's Drinking Bourbon, Twitter at Bourbon Dads, Instagram at Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Find us wherever you download your podcast you already have. So leave us an open and honest review, just like we leave open and honest reviews about the whiskey we drink. Gentlemen, thank you. It's a Thanks, pleasure.
3: Man. Thank Does, you.
0: Zeke, where else can the folks find us?
1: Good old Nashville, Tennessee. Cheers. Ciao.